Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Hallelujah. Good morning, everyone. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Good to be in the Lord's house. Feel His presence. I guess, along with everybody else, my body doesn't like pollen either, so y'all just pray for me and Lord to touch me along with everyone else. So let's, uh, i tell you what let's do. Let's just read one scripture and then we'll pray and uh, be seated. Um, turn with me to Hebrews, Hebrews 11. And if you would, just keep your Bible open because this is where I want to just speak on a few verses here and um, just look at uh, faith from uh, basically through my eyes the way that I see it and um, so the Bible tells us in Hebrews 11 it just says now faith is a substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen Hallelujah. Let's pray. God of heaven, we love you today. Father, we thank you most of all that you are so real. You are so near. You're so right here, right now. Lord God, we love you and we thank you. Father, we ask you this day that you would anoint us, Lord God. I pray that you touch us. You would strengthen us, Lord God. You would open our mind, Lord God, our hearts. Let us receive, Lord God. I pray right now, Lord God, just like the ancients of old that would cast their bread on the water. God, let our hearts receive this. Let it spring up in areas in which we could have never imagined. Touch us, Lord God. Anoint us, Lord God. Open our minds and strengthen us, God. Touch us Sunday school, Lord God. Each and every ministry that goes forth today. Have your way. Minister this day, God, I pray. Touch us, Lord God. We will thank and praise you for what you're going to do this day. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. Faith is one of the subjects that you could just never, ever exhaust. Uh, it's sort of like the Bible where it talks about love. I believe that's the reason that naturally we believe that God created us. So I believe that's one of the attributes or the character of God that he told us when the Bible just simply tells us that God is love. So that is just naturally something that he knows that we can automatically relate to. So faith, when he tells us that we got to have faith, and faith, some people, whether we like it or not, faith is what is going to be in this walk of Christianity that we're going to have. And faith is what we have. And the Bible tells us that I've read that faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, you have to nurture, you have to care for. It's just like uh, Brother Thomas hit on it. And, and to, uh, life chips away at it as, as he put it, but, um, and we know it does. So we teach, even as a child, we grow up with our parents telling us, careful who you hang around and who you associate with because the Bible clearly tells us in no uncertain terms it, word for word, it says, be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. So the, the faith in which we have, it's just uh, would lead me to believe when I leave here, if all I have is a non-believing friend, then my faith is going to be war on until the time that I get back. I'm going to need somebody to help strengthen my faith, as we would put it, and nourish my faith. 
For if I look around and that's all I have, then I need to reevaluate what I'm doing. Because, but, but one thing that, that I always look at in, in the end of Romans, in the 12th chapter, God anointed Paul to write, for God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. And now I've always looked at that like that this faith, when it was given to you, it's not like God just, we always look at things like measured out on a scale of one to 10 and God just not did, just didn't go around and just say 10, 10, 10, 10, 10, 10. I just don't look at it that way. God knows us as individuals. He knows our character. He knows our mental capability. He knows the end from the beginning. He knew what we was going to have to go through in life, the situations we were going to face. And I believe it's just like the Bible puts it. I don't believe I'm making a play on word. I believe God said, okay, Jerry Herndon, your faith is measured to you. So I believe that is the way God did this. He measured our faith unto us. It is given. It is a gift. There's nothing that I could do to earn this. It is measured. It is given by God. It is measured to every man. And some believes that this was for the church. So ever how you believe this, I believe as Christians, I'll put it that way, God has given us a measure of faith And I believe that is the ability to believe him, to take him at his word. For Paul says that God has dealt this. He's given us this gift. So God knows. He knows what we're going to go through with. He's given us this faith. We have this strength put in us to take him at his word, to believe him, because we know what is going to be done there. Our faith is literally measured unto us. It's calibrated unto us that I don't know what I want to have to go through with. I don't know. We look at people and say, I didn't know they had it in them. Well, God knew that he had it in them because he had put the faith in them to go through the trials or tribulations, ever how you want to label it, that they got to walk through and go through. God knew that before. So he has given us the faith to go through that. So the Bible, we have that. God has made sure that every obstacle that we encounter or face, I mean, some people has faced severe, severe trials. And as God has given them the strength and the determination to literally take God at his word, that he said he would never leave us nor forsake us. We're like Job sometimes. We just look around. I can't find God nowhere. But I know within myself, my faith says God hadn't left me. I can't feel him, but I know God hadn't left me. My faith is saying God is here. My faith says God is good when everything looks bad. My faith is telling me God is going to work this out when all I see is a mess. But my faith is telling me to hold on, not to believe what my eyes is telling me, not to believe what I'm seeing, but to believe my faith that God is the one that's going to work all things out for my good no matter what I'm looking at or what I'm going through God is going to work it out it's where I will have the faith to believe God literally at his word and that's what I believe literally that means the faith is measured unto us I believe that God is not just going to just say well as as I spoke while ago on a scale of one to ten okay okay Ken you've reached ten You've reached your limit. No, sir. No, sir. God has measured the faith in us, and just like this word, you will never, ever exhaust it. You will never, ever get to the point, if I only had just a little bit more faith, God, I just feel like that I could have went through that if I'd have had a little bit more faith. You will never, ever find yourself in that case, in that area. God has measured unto us the faith that we're going to need. And only God, only God knows where that is. And God would never let her uh, shortchange us. He was going to see us through. So, and now, uh, uh, excuse me. Um, there's a saying that we use. So, I'll just talk about me. I'll leave you out of it. There's a saying sometimes that we use, and I know that you'll understand this. 
the saying is, pray for me, my faith is weak. I know in Christian terms what we mean. But I'm saying, what are we really saying? What are we really saying? If there's some that comes to church that's looking into this word and they hear a Christian stand up and says, pray for me, my faith is weak. Now, as Christians, one another, I believe we know what we're saying. But I'm telling you face to face, our faith is not weak. God has given us everything we need. And I'm not blasting. I'm just saying our faith is not weak. It is in no wise weak. It is just in just, I'm, I'm saying, I'm, I'm, this is not try, I'm not trying to rebuke nobody. This is just from my point of view, so take it as from my point of view. So when I stand up and I say my faith is weak, all I'm saying in a nice point of view is I've let my carnality, I've let life get bigger than my faith. My faith hadn't changed. God, what God gave me is still there. I've let circumstances, I've let life, I have let this carnal man get bigger than the faith that God gave me. It is not going to change. What God has given me is not going to shrink. It's not going to shrivel with time. It's going to remain the same. And I believe that with everything that's in me. God is measuring to us the gift of faith or the, the measure of faith. So I believe this literally is our safety net. So when, when life, when I go through a situation and I might think literally that my faith is weak and then I'll have to realize, no, I have let life just beat me down. I have let this carnal man rise up to the point that I'm thinking my faith is weak. I'm thinking wrong. The Bible tells me that this spirit wars against the flesh. And right now the flesh is trying to override the spirit. So all I've got to do is just stop long enough and as the old saying, this is a play on word, but feed your faith and starve. Starve that man. Starve them doubts. Because if you will do that, then you will realize that your faith ain't went nowhere. Your faith is not weak. So when you can take and realize that the faith that God give us, really, it hadn't went nowhere. It is not weak. It is not going to go down. It is going to remain strong. It is not weak. This gift Every gift that God gives us, gives us is perfect, is strong. It is not God, God is not going to give me a faith and in 10 years I'm trying to struggle my way through life and God said, well, sorry, Ken, you've used up all your faith. I don't believe that. Nothing within me believes that. I believe what God gave me, the strength of faith, the faith that he gives me will remain with me until I die. I believe that it is just there, and when I stand up and say my faith is weak, I, technically, you take this from me, I'm not telling the truth. My faith is not weak. What God gave me, he gave me in true, perfect tense. So my faith is strong. What God has given me, what I've let done, is just I've let other circumstances override that. Because what God has given me, what God has given me is not second rate. It is strong. It is everything that I need. So when the enemy wars against me, that's what I said, no matter what my eyes is looking at, no matter what I'm going through. And, I, and, and there again, I come back to this. I'm, I'm not trying to be critical. I believe we understand one another when we say our faith is weak. I believe that, and I'm not trying to be critical of that. But on the flip side of that, all I'm saying is from a biblical point of view, our faith is not weak. It is not weak. And God is what God has given us. We have to feed that faith regardless, regardless of what the circumstances is. Do not let life override that because what God has given us and gave us is perfect. It will not, it will not go down. It will not, it will not erode over time. It is perfect. So the faith that God has given me, it is truly, and I believe this, it is truly my safety net because when life comes against me and life tries to hinder me and I am knocked down, that I have a faith that God put in me that it ain't going nowhere. It ain't going nowhere. And then all I've got to do is just hide myself away. Hide myself away. And then I will take and then realize 
Because just before I, just what I just read, Hebrews 11, 1, just the preceding verse above that is when the Bible tells us literally the just shall live by faith. This is a walk of faith. It is no other kind of walk. It is not just a walk by sight. It is a walk by faith. It's just, that's just how it is. God designed it that way, and it's not going to change for no one. It is going to be, God said, I gave you this book. I gave you my word. If you want to please me, you will obey this word, and you will walk and walk through life. But I'm telling you, we are so sight-oriented. If everything is just not going according to our eyesight, we think that God is against us. We think that it's just not going right. That's just not wrong. I mean, that's just not right. God is what God has given us. That's why I said we can't go by the eyesight. We've got to trust God literally. As the Bible says, we walk by faith. And just sometimes we have to, we, we have to literally, we have to train ourselves. Literally, scripturally, that no matter what I'm in or where I'm at, if I'm doing it biblically, I ain't talking about living in sin and then trying to please God. I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about doing it biblically. When you're doing what you know to do, you're following the man of God. Then, literally, you take, you believe this, the measure of faith that God has given unto you is there. It is strong. In other words, you can take and believe that and know that. That the faith as God has given to you, it is strong. He's dealt to us, to us this measure of faith. This measure of faith. Now, Hebrews 11 and 1. I want to look at this. I want to use, I know you've heard this countless, countless times. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. What I want to do is use my background in building to try to explain this verse to you the way that I see it. Now, faith is a substance of things hoped for. When you look up the word substance, the first word that comes up is confidence. But literally what it means when you read what it means is that which is said under, what it means is a foundation. A foundation. So I would explain it like this. When you're building this building, just picture with me in your mind. Now try to, I believe everybody can relate to this. When this building was built, it was just ground, just dirt here. Nothing was here. The first thing that was built or did on this building is you dig in the ground, you make a trough in the ground, you put steel in it all the way around continuously, and you pour concrete in the ground. That is referred to as a foundation. That is a foundation. You pour it all the way around. It's continually poured all the way around the building. Sometimes you have foundations that run in the interior. Now, that is the foundation. Okay? Faith is the foundation of things hoped for. Now, the evidence of things not seen, there and there, them walls is the evidence of what is not seen. The foundation. You don't see the foundation, but the walls and the roof is evidence of what is not seen. Now, faith is the foundation of things hoped for. The walls is the evidence of what is not seen. Now, the word for evidence, when you look it up, is proof. The walls is proof. Of what is not seen. The foundation which is not seen. Alright that's a natural. So I'll make it a spiritual. Alright you come to church here. You come up. You have a situation where you need God to touch you. Okay. Faith is a substance. Your substance. Your faith. Your foundation. Your very core belief. Says I need to go up and have prayer. That God had touched me in this circumstance. 
You come up, he prays you, he prays for you, then the evidence or the proof of that is when God touches you and gives you what you need. Faith is the foundation, the proof of things which is not seen. So that's what he's telling us. And that's why I go back to this, to, to, to a natural. I can, re, I can relate to it better in a natural sense and then apply it to a spiritual. That's why I said the foundation is the substance. The walls is the proof. The walls is proof that the foundation is there. You don't see the foundation, but you know it's there because the walls is proof of the foundation. So that's why he is telling us, the writer is telling us, that the substance or the literal, the, the literal foundation that we have, the very core of what we believe, of, of our faith is what we know, and then we have proof. Now, the only other scripture if we're on evidence where it says the proof of things not seen is where the Bible tells us in, in 2 Timothy where it tells us all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof. That word reproof is the same word as used in evidence. That's the only other time it's used. It's profitable for doctrine and it's for reproof or for proof. It's given to us. So we know that the substance of things hoped for, the very foundation of which I have, the proof is when God answers me. That's the evidence of the very faith, of the very core of what I believe God gives me. So he said, now that is what faith is. And God said, that is what you're going to have to have and to believe me in my church. And he said, this is what you're going to do. And this is what the Bible says. This is the only kind of faith that God is going to recognize. But here's the thing. is only God can do. God has already given us. And, and, and then I'll give you my title. This is what my title is. What you need, you already have. Because only God would do this. That's why I said in, in Romans where he said he's dealt to every man the measure of faith. So I would be wrong to stand and tell God, I just can't do this. I just can't relate to this kind of faith because what I need, God has already planted within me. So therefore, what you need, you already have. God has given us this faith, the ability to believe that God is going to do this. We have this, but, this kind of faith is going to triumph in all the worst kind of situations. We know, we know this kind of faith is going to happen. Faith is just literally taking God at his word. God said it, I believe it, and that's literally, literally taking him at his word. Literally, faith, think of it this way. Faith is to the spiritual realm what the natural or what the five senses is to the natural realm. You just take God, God said it, we just somehow the faith that God has planted within us, we exercise that faith and we believe him. We said it no matter what the circumstances says, we believe it. Our faith is literally the foundation. God is the one. His grace is sufficient. He's designed his church for this, that we would believe him. That, that what is, is, is taught to us through this word to believe and obey on and to accept it and to practice it. He's designed his church this way. We are the ones. In Hebrews 11.2, it says, For by it the elders obtained a good report. So we know that this kind of faith was justified and accepted by God. He said this, Hebrews 11.3, it says, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Now, really and truly, let me read that and I want you to just listen. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God.
okay, right now is the point where they would look at us and say, you may be seated. (laughs) Because sometimes I really wonder if Christians, me included, really believe this. I'm telling you. It says the worlds were framed by just the spoken word of God. And you got people, you got Christians that their lives is in so much turmoil. And the pages of knowledge (laughs) with just a few spoken words, God created everything we see. And so much, we just see a drop in the ocean. And so much that we don't see. And people with their lives just in wreck. And all the wisdom of the world is just available. And their Bible set at home with dust on it. And all they got to do, God said, if you would seek me, I would be found of you. And if you would take this word, the worlds were framed by the word of God. And he said, if you would take this word and you think your situation is unique to you, I'm not trying to be just blunt here, but you think your situation is unique to you? He literally spoke the world into existence. If you think your situation is unique to you, you take this Bible and you get along And just start flipping through the pages. And just start reading the wealth of knowledge. That they are just in page after page after page. That God gave literally to humanity. There is just volumes and volumes and volumes of knowledge. That is just waiting to be undone. It will never ever ever be exhausted. Never be exhausted. Literally, literally, we are just so fascinated by what we see that God literally just in a few moments spoke into existence. But yet we tell ourselves that God can't help us or we think our situations are so mixed up or so just so interwoven together that they can never be sorted out. That's just a trick of the enemy. I'm telling you, God has a way you you can take that, that is why when, and I will just say this, I appreciate everything that Brother Thomas had to say, Brother Boyd previously. I, I, I will put it this way. I'll start to say it revival, but I'll put it, I'll put it this way. Every time I come to church, this is one thing I never asked is who were they preaching to? They're preaching to me. I don't care what they're preaching about. They're preaching to me. Because I promise you I am. I am listening. I want to hide everything I can hide within me. And I don't care if he is talking about the craziest thing you might think of. I'm telling you, I am trying with everything within me to hide it within me. Because I want everything. There is so much wealth and knowledge. For God just said, just spoke this into existence. And I'm telling you that all people would have to do is open this word and just say, God, that's all God wants us to do is accept it by faith. That's all he's asked is just take this word and just to admit, God, I believe it. Your word said it. Help me. There's no situations that I'm going to encounter that your word can't conquer. And when you come to church and we have his written word and then we have literally the anointed word spoken through God's uh, prophet so we can take and come to church and just ever what you need, we can come to church. We can allow God to touch us, allow God to speak to us 
because that's why that's why I said it this way. Sometimes I just wonder if I just really, really believe that. Where just in a few just in a few moments, everything we can see, God spoke it into existence. And I live my life like I don't believe it. There's a whole Bible with wealth of knowledge that's just waiting to be unveiled. It's just all I have to do is just wipe the dust off of it and read it. That's all I have to do. He just took and spoke this into existence. It's just the wisdom that God has given us. All I have to do is just read it. The things which are seen and the things which are not seen. Now, the end of that verse says this. So that things which are not so that the things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. I have read the reason that that writing is that way. I believe that God anointed the writer, that the scientists at the time of this writing, the scientists still believe that the earth was made with materials that existed. So if that's the case, I would have believed that is the reason God anointed the writer to say, not so, not so. Everything you see, I spoke into existence. I spoke it into existence. None of this you see was made with materials that already existed. They was made with nothing. I spoke it into existence. That is why I believe that it's just, it, scriptures that way we can take literally, that it's just, just, that it's just for our benefit. Because we just, sometimes we do, we just, I mean, life hits us and we just, we just look at our situations and just say, there's no way. There's no way. There's no way God can solve this. There's just no way they can be done. And I believe scriptures like this is just, it's just a positive for us we can go to and just say, God, if you can create something out of nothing, then you can take a situation in my life. That's why I said sometimes, I just wish we could put it on a, put it on a chart as chaotic as it is and just say, God, how can you ever fix this? How can you ever fix this and just watch it being fixed? God can do it. He can do it. He can do it, and he will do it. Now, I want to jump, before I go any further, I want to jump to verse 6. Now, this is one. I'll try and get through. Hebrews eleven six. Oh, this is one that would go away. Man, oh. I got up with it. And I went to bed with it. So I'll try and let you see it the way I look at it. The writer says it's not difficult. He said it's impossible to please God without faith. It is impossible. But I'm telling you, I'll, I go back to your safety net. What you need, you already have. I'm telling you, if you find it hard sometime in trying to exercise your faith, just tell God, God, I know it's there. I know it's there. You give me the faith. I have the faith. Help me to get whatever's blocking that faith, whatever has come against my faith. Help me to remove that. If carnality is sin or if whatever is in the way of that faith, help me to remove it. Help me to get it out of the way because I know the gift you have given me is perfect. So I know that I have the faith to believe because the enemy knows that's what he's going to war against is your faith. That's what he is going to try to block. That's what he is going to come against. Because he knows, he knows that God has said this. Without faith, it's impossible to please me. So that's what he is going to war against. He's going to just say, just like he did originally in Genesis. Is that really true? Did God really say that? Have you really got to do all of that? Do you really need to do this or do that? That's what he is going to try to do. Put every other trying to question there is to war against, to question this. Do you really need to do everything he's telling you that you need to do? Or is that really right? Well, I don't know about that. But that's what he is going to do. But 
It is impossible. But there again, flip that over. You already have what you need. You've got it. You have got it. And don't let nothing or the enemy or nobody tell you you don't because you do. Now, the Bible says, but without faith it's impossible to please him for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, the first part of that, it says, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is. The first part that got me, it said, he that cometh to God. Now, when I look that up, he that cometh to God, it literally means when you come to God, literally coming to God, facing towards God, coming straight to God. But the analogy is made in the Old Testament when the priest would go to offer a sacrifice. That is what it's taken from. And then it says, it's the same verb, he that cometh to God, it's the same verb as the priest would use to offer sacrifices in the Old Testament. So what it's saying is just now, there is seven times this verb is used in Hebrews. And every one is saying that God has given us the privilege that we can come to God with the bonus as going to our great high priest. We have the privilege. We have the authority to come to God. We don't have to come to God with our back. God said, you come face to face to me. Just like in the Old Testament, when only one could enter the high priest. You have that privilege now to enter in the Holy of Holies to the high priest. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. When you come to God, he said, that's why you come in. That's why Paul said, come in with boldness. We have that. We can come in. So he said, do this. And then he says, when, he, when you do that, he that must believe that he is. Other words, when you come to God, I believe we all get this. He, when he that cometh to God must believe that he is. He is Jehovah. He is God. He's the God Almighty. I'm, I'm saying I believe we all can get this. And, and then where he says, he's a great I am. And then it just says, God says, you shall have no other gods before me. You must believe that he is. Now, I believe if, if you was to ask us, it would almost cause a fight if you was accused one of us of being an atheist. We have this. He that cometh to God must believe that he is. We've got that. We believe that. We believe there is a God. We believe his name is Jesus Christ. He came in human form, and therefore he made it possible for us to come to God, to enter into the holy of holies in a spiritual sense. And then he says, but this, this last phrase is where I honestly think a lot of us miss it. And I'll tell you why. And it says, and he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, how many times have you ever said, I got the faith for you, but it's hard for me. We say that jokingly, but there is truth in that. I will tell you this, when it says, and that he is a rewarder, one time, one time in the New Testament is that word used. One time, and that's here. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And what it means is he, he that pays full wages. God said, you will never come to me. You will never seek me that I won't be found of you. You will never... You will never go behind them bars one time that I won't pay you for it. 
But yet sometimes, last Sunday, I mean, we know, we know, a lot of you know where we go, me and Brother Fears and others. But I had men sitting in there last Sunday weeping. And I said, sometimes we just have trouble. That God would really do it for us. And the thing of it is, is I believe God is saying with as much passion as you pursue me when it said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. With as much passion as you pursue that, you have got to pursue the end of this. And I almost to the point of saying it's a command, but I'll just, I'll just, I won't be that strong with it. I'll just say it is a condition. For this starts out, this whole verse starts out, without faith it's impossible. So you just can't say I believe in one God. But yet you withdraw when, when it comes to the port, would God do it for me? You've got to stand and say, just as much as I believe that he is with the same unction, with the same spirit and zeal that you pursue God in his oneness, you've got to believe that that same God would return that favor to me. Because God said, that's what I want to do. And that's what literally I'm going to require of you. God said, I would love you that much that this is what I'm going to require of you. I'm going to require you to have no other gods before me. And a lot of people would say that you're doing it for the fishes and the loaves. And to them, I, I just would rebuke, I'm telling you. What I'm saying, they have their reward. But I'm saying God would require of those that would diligently seek him that I will be your rewarder. You will in no wise. You will in no, no wise seek me that I won't reward you for. Not one time will you give of yourself that I won't reward you. That that you think that nobody else is seeing. That time that you're spending that you think nobody else sees. You must believe that God will reward you for. And God said this is going to be. God didn't say I'm saying this is going to be a condition for you to make this verse. For I, I really believe sometimes that we struggle with that last part. That we just believe God would do it for everybody else. But he just sometimes. I just have the struggle with the faith. Of believing that he would do it for me. But God says I love you this much. That I'm going to literally put it in the same verse. That I love you this much. That without faith I'm telling you. And the faith you need I've already given to you. And then it says you must believe that I am. And then I think what makes it so good and that I will reward you every time, every time that you seek me, I will be found of you and I will be your rewarder of them that diligently seek me. God said, I'll do it and I'll do it without fail. He is our rewarder. He is our faith. He is our faith. Now, it's the only time like I said, rewarder. That's the only time in the New Testament. That's it. That's the only time it's used. It is used no, in this capacity, it's used no other time. This is the only time God said, I'm going to pay and I'm going to pay in full. I will be your rewarder. I will be the one. Now, we know that. We know that God is our hope and our strength. That's why I said only God, only God can do this. That's why 
when you look back, when Elijah told his servant, he said, go look, go look. And he said, go again seven times. And he's telling his servant, he's done, he's basically, I, I don't know the conversation, but his servant has just said, I've already went, I've went, I've went. Now, I do believe, and Elijah tells him, go again seven times. Now, I truly, I believe seven is the number of completion in the Bible. But in this story, I believe one thing we can gain from that. Seven is not, and just please pardon me for using this phrase, but seven is not the magic number here. But I believe what we can gain from this story when he is telling him to go look seven times is in what I'm, in relating to this, what I'm speaking of right now, is that we must have the faith to continue to pray in what we're seeking till we see it completed. That is what I think we can gain from it. No matter, a number is irrelevant. We should never, ever, ever put a number on how many times we have seek God. God, I've asked you 10 times for that. Don't never do that. Never put a number on it. God in his uh, just wisdom knows everything. I mean, so a number is, is irrelevant. But I believe literally, seek God until it's completed. God's either going to do it or he's going to be like Paul. My grace is going to be sufficient. You might have a thorn, but God said, I'm going to give you the grace to bear it. It might hurt, but that's all right. God's going to give us the strength to go through, through with it. Now, I'm going to jump back. I want to look at uh, just a couple more. In verse 4, the Bible tells us, he said, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Now, what I want to do, I just want to jump back real quick, and if you want to just follow on the screen, I'm going to jump back to Genesis. I want to read the original account of this. Genesis 4, 1, and Abram, not Abram, for Adam knew his wife, knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass, and Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Now, I want to read 4 again. Hebrews 4. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Now, I have always looked at that with just, in my mind, just the way I think, you know, that the reason God accepted his sacrifice because it was a blood sacrifice. And here again, this is my view. This is just a theory I'm, I'm offering. But but when you go back and read it, the Bible makes a distinction. He said he had respect unto Abel and unto his offering. And then he had not respect unto Cain and to his offering. But anyway, the Bible just tells us here, the writer just says it like this, by faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. And just what I'm trying to say, and, and I'll just say it in a few words, is that I've always looked at it that way. Cain offered a blood sacrifice, or Abel did. Cain brought the fruit of the ground. That's the reason God rejected him. I don't really know, I've, I don't really know if that's correct within myself. Um, I believe it's like the Bible says it here. It says by faith. I believe the reason that God accepted his offering is because it was offered in faith. Now, the reason that I always go to the blood is because we live on this side of Calvary. And that's, I've just always assumed, but I believe 
the reason that God accepted it is because he offered it in faith. Whatever they was taught as young children, that whatever Adam taught his sons, they had enough respect of the Lord because in the passage I read to you in Genesis, look at where the Lord had not respect and the Bible says, it didn't say Cain was mad. It says he was very wroth. Now here is the God of the universe tells him, I can't receive this. And he is thoroughly ticked off at the God of the universe. Now he had no respect unto God. So I believe the reason, other words, flip it. I believe that if Abel had offered the fruit of the ground and Cain offered the blood sacrifice, that he would have accepted his fruit because it was offered in faith. That's what I believe. That's, or not, that's the way I'm seeing it because I think it was offered in faith. I've always looked at it because it was a blood sacrifice. I don't know. I believe it really and truly could have been because it was offered at this time. Now, if it had been after uh, when the blood was uh, sacrifice was set up, I'd see it different. But this is way, way before. So this is saying that it was done in faith, that he offered it in faith. So, and then the Bible tells us that the last part of that, number four, and by it being dead yet speaketh, God is saying that literally Cain is so mad that he goes out and kills his brother. And the Bible tells us that literally being dead yet speaketh. I don't know, to me, God is just saying, you know what? The faith of your brother, I'm not even going to let die. You may have killed him but you hadn't killed his faith. Because if you just keep reading, you see all, this is a faith chapter of all the faith in the people that has just kept going and has kept going and has kept going. So it's just, we see everything that has happened. Okay, I'll rush through real quick. I'll hit one more. Noah eleven seven. It says, "By faith Noah warned of God." I believe where it says Noah warned of God. I mean, to start with, who who builds a ship in the middle of dry ground? Somebody that believes God, and he took and warned of God. The Bible tells us he done this. And I believe when you read that verse, I believe what condemned the world was Noah's faith and his continual preaching. And then the ark was for the saving of his house and for the saving of the animals for the continuation of man. So he took and he built this ark and literally such a man of faith, literally, look at it like this. God comes down, he has Noah, he says 392 words to him and changes the history of mankind. Now, how would that happen today? I mean, it just, it would just have your people get a hold of my people and we'll put up 15 meetings. But literally, God comes down and says 392 words to him and then just said in roughly 120 years, we're going to flood the earth. Noah starts working. But the Bible tells us as in the days of Noah, it gives us a comparison. But one thing that Noah had to do to see this done, his faith now, and I believe we can draw from this, his faith drove him to do two things. He had to work and he had to preach. And them two things is what made him successful. When he done that, the ark, the work was for the saving of his house. And the preaching was what condemned the world. So I believe his faith that he had, he literally, literally 
condemn the world with his faith. And I'll end, I want to read one, um, one more passage that I just want to just, that I love. I just want to read it to you. I know we read a lot and hear a lot of Second Chronicles 7, but I just want to make a connection, a, a spiritual connection with this. I want to read two verses above it and two verses below it. So Second Chronicles 7, 12. This was the, at the dedication of the temple, and this is where God appears to Solomon the second time where he had offered um, 20, there had been 22,000 cattle sacrificed and 120,000 sheep so that the Lord had moved mightily and then God appears to Solomon. And in verse 12, this is what it says. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice now what got me is that right that phrase right there a house of sacrifice occurs nowhere else in the bible only right here this that's why i wanted to make a connection between then and now this was the temple all this sacrificing was being done and god said i have chosen this place to myself for a house of sacrifice Verse 13, then he says, if I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, God said, if it starts getting bad, here's the remedy. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn for their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Now, I want to read 15 and 16. Now, mine eyes shall be open and my ears attentive unto the prayer that is made in this place. Now, I'm liking this to us right now. What did Paul tell us? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost. God said, I've chosen this place as a house of sacrifice. Now, God said, I will make, and in my eyes will be attentive to the prayer that is made in this place. Verse 16, for now I have chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever. And there's only one way that this could be accomplished. And that was when you take his name, when you marry him, you, you take his name, mine eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually and that can only be accomplished by one thing you take my spirit you put my spirit within you so that's why I said what we need we already have and we serve a good God and I fully believe that as life hits us and it does that sometimes we think that our faith is run weak our faith is not weak our faith is not weak at all. Sometimes we may tell ourselves that our faith is weak, but our faith, our faith is not weak. I'm telling you, God has not given us a weak faith. Our faith is strong, and it is strong no matter what it looks like or what's going on. Your faith is strong. God has given us the measure of faith. He knows what we need, and I'm telling you, it is. We have this assurance that what God has given us and don't forget, he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. God bless you. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.